Welcome. The last section, Parshas Achremites, <clears throat> is called the Parshas Arias. This is where the Torah commands and forbids certain relationships between men and women, mainly those that we would understand to be incestuous, also uh, relations with a, with a married woman married to someone other than oneself, and certain close relatives, etc. It also mentions, uh, at least in part, the prohibition of idolatry. And after the Torah presents us with all of these mitzvahs, all of these prohibitions, the Torah concludes with a few, I would say, a little concluding paragraph. Perik Yudches Posach of Dalit says, Al titamu b'chol eva. Do not allow yourselves to become defiled through all of these sins. Because it was through these sins that the nations that I am sending out from in front of you, they became defiled. The, the nations of the land of Canaan that Hashem is soon going to send away and replace with us, with Klai Yisrael, they defiled themselves in these kinds of sins. And the land itself became tame, it became defiled. And I visited its sin upon it, meaning I took note and I acted, I reacted to their sin. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. We'll talk quite a bit more about that phrase. And you, however, you, I am commanding that you will keep my laws, my, my decrees, and my laws, and you should not do all of these abominations. Ezrach, the citizen, the born Jew, and the convert who is living amongst you. You're all equally commanded to be careful not to commit these sins. Because all of these abominations the people of the land that were there before you, they did all of these sins. And the land became defiled, became impure. Basikavches, this should be below. Okay, the lo sakiha oritz eschem, betamachem osa, and the land will translate very literally and perhaps incorrectly, but the land will not vomit you out. Betamachem osa, when you defile it, kasher koa es agoyasher lefnechem as it vomited out the nation that lived before you. Parenthetically, there is an interesting comment by the Sefer Aksava Kabbalah on these two words, kasher ko'o. Now it's said back in Pasuk um, that the land became Tame when the Canaanim lived there and Hashem uh, took note of their sins. Now the word batoki 
could be read as a future tense. And the land will vomit out its inhabitants. It didn't happen yet when Klal Yisrael, when Bnei Yisrael arrived in Eretz Yisrael, the, the, the Canaanites were still living there. So they were, had not yet been expelled from the land. So what does it mean, Batoki Ha'aretz? So it's not the Vav HaMahapich. It's not a future tense that has a Vav in front of it and therefore becomes a past tense. No, it's a regular future sense, future tense. The, these nations have defiled the land, and I, Hashem, have taken note, Batoki, and the land will vomit them out. However, how do you explain Pasik Chavches? Pasik Chavches says that I don't want this to happen to you when you defile the land, meaning if you defile the land. As the land vomited out the nation that was there before you. Now, what does that mean, as, as it has vomited out? It didn't do it yet. So Aksav Vakabola says, say for Aksav Vakabola, it says that this verb form, which grammatically is what you, you could call an overkala, say simple past tense, ko'o, omar, ko'asav, etc. He says, it can be used sometimes to mean something that will happen soon in the future. For example, when Yaakov Avino was on his deathbed, and he called in Yosef to speak to him. So the Pasuk says, in Bracious Memches Chafalef, Vayemer Yisrael el Yosef, Yisrael, meaning Yaakov, said to Yosef, Hine anoichi meis. Now, he's not saying I am dead. He wouldn't be speaking if he'd be dead. He's saying I will be dead, but he, but he obviously meant I will be dead very soon. He's on his deathbed. And meis, the Ksadva Kabbalah is understanding here, is the simple past tense of the verb to die, lamus. You see here that it means it can be used to mean something that is going to happen soon in the future. Okay, that is something to think about as we go through other psukah. But what I would like to talk about, of course, is Rashi. On the first one, two, three psukim here, there is no Rashi at all. It's not just that I didn't bother to copy it because I didn't want to talk about it, there is no Rashi on these three, these three psukim. On the fourth Pasuk, Pasuk Chavches, there is a Rashi comment. Let's first just read it. Rashi is going on the words, The land will not vomit you out. Rashi says, This is a marshal. This, this, we can understand this with a parable, parable about the son of a king, about a prince. They fed him something that was disgusting. It will not stay in his stomach. He has a very gentle, refined digestive system, only used to eating delicacies. So when they feed him something disgusting, it simply will not stay in his, in his literally in his intestines. It will not stay in his stomach. Rather, he will throw it up. It's simply his nature. He will vomit it out. So Kach Eretz Yisrael, similarly, the land of Israel, it cannot maintain those who commit Averis. It simply cannot stand to have people on it who are very uh, steeped in sin. 
Rashi continues with Targumai and the, the Targum, the, the Aramaic translation of this Pasuk is, of these words are, which would, he says, this is an expression of emptying something out, of rake, of emptiness. The land empties itself of those who are committing sins upon it. Now, Rashi here seems to be, um, perhaps he's explaining the meaning of the word saki. Maybe he wanted to explain what, the, what, what that word means. Perhaps he wanted to explain the, the mechanism, the, uh, the reason why the land will spit out those who do not uh, behave properly. Well, that could be theoretically. The only problem is, this is not the first place where the Torah says those words. It said those words back here in Pasachafe. It said that the nations that lived in Eretz Israel before we did, the land vomited out its inhabitants. Now, if Rashi were interested in explaining the meaning of the word, he should have done it here where it appeared the first time in Pasachafe. If Rashi wanted to, to explain to us the uh, the mechanism, the reason, and how, why this happens, and how this happens. So I would say he should have, should have explained it here in Pasuk Chavhei. Why does Rashi wait all the way till later? It's only to Psukim, but why does Rashi wait until later uh, to explain to explain this phrase? I think we can understand this based on a, a principle regarding Rashi's commentary on the Torah. And this is a principle which I very, very, just very recently uh, became aware of. Uh, my, my good friend and my, my mentor, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Herzog, whom I had the honor of meeting over Pesach. He was in my neighborhood. He recently put out a, a new sefer called uh, Darche Rashi. And he presents there a, a klal in Rashi, which I've never seen before but I'm uh, becoming ever more convinced of its correctness. And Rabbi Herzog says that it is not Rashi's derech to explain why Hashem does certain things. If the Torah does not say why Hashem did a certain thing, then Rashi is not going to explain why. And uh, in, a, in the conversation that uh, Rabbi Herzog and I had on Pesach, uh, he uh, told me that he's starting to think that this even applies to why people do things. That when we sometimes find that Rashi will explain why Avram Avinu or Moshe Rabbeinu or whoever it is did something, that also should, should raise our eyebrows because normally in most places, Rashi does not explain why people do certain things. And the simple reason is because the Torah doesn't explain. Where the Torah doesn't explain it, so then Rashi felt that's not his job to explain it for us. Shutei shall make her according to Rashi means to explain what is written in the Torah, not, not, to, uh, not to go beyond it and underneath it and, and, and embellish it. If the Torah doesn't give the reason why a person didn't do something, then generally speaking, Rashi is not going to do so either, unless he has some special, something special which is pushing him to do that. Certainly regarding a Kodesh Baruch Hu, could be because the, the actions of a Kodesh Baruch Hu are, are obviously more difficult to, to pin down to any particular reason, but the, 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 the cloud seems to be 
that Rashi does not normally explain to us why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does something. Unless he has some kashya that he needs to answer, or there's something in the Pasuk itself, which tells us why Hashem did it, and Rashi is just helping us understand those words in the Pasuk. But usually, Rashi does not tell us why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does something. And therefore, based on this principle, we can understand why in Pasuk Hafei, when the Torah says that the land became defiled through the actions of the Canaanites, and I, Hashem, I visited its sin upon it, meaning I took notice of their sin and I took action regarding their sin. And the land vomited out its, its uh, inhabitants, or as uh, in, in the way Charles Dickens wrote and other uh, British authors of that era, they would write, it, it vomited out its inmates. In those days, the word inmate simply meant somebody who lived in a certain place. But anyway, the land vomited out its inhabitants. Rashi does not explain why Hashem did it. He doesn't explain the, the mechanics of why, how this happens, why this happened. Kodesh Baruch who did something. That's all. Now, that's so. Why does Rashi make a whole explanation about this phrase? When he comes to it, when he sees it in Pasik Chavches. And here we can set, whoops, pardon me. Here we can say, I know why it happened. Anyway, here we can say that there's a special reason why Rashi gets involved in this. If we read the Psukim very literally, as I did before, one could be mistaken about the meaning of Pasik Chavches. Zion are all saying that uh, don't, don't do these sins. The nations who lived in Eretz Israel before you, they did them. The consequences were very bad. And now it says, We could read it, and the land will not spit you out when you defile it. Could be, one could read that as a promise. The land spit out the Canaanim when they committed these sins, but it will not spit out you because uh, I love you too much. You're my special people. And this is the land that has been established for you. That, that's the whole reason why this land exists. It exists for you. And therefore, even if you commit all of these crimes, the land will not spit you out. The Sipsechachamim, and others, the Be'er Basada, several, several Sorim, at least two anyway, some of them, of course, say that that's how we would have, we might have interpreted the Pasuk. The land will not spit you out, regardless of what you do. And therefore, in order to, uh, to, to get that mistake out of our heads, Rashi quotes the Midrash, that what does it mean, V'leisaki ha'aretz eschem? It's a parable. We can be understood with a parable about this prince who ate something disgusting and he couldn't hold it in his stomach because he's too refined and he spit it out. But we see from here that that is the nature of Eretz Yisrael, that it cannot bear this kind of misbehavior. And it doesn't matter who's doing it. 
does it matter to the Ben Melech whether he is presented with this disgusting food by, by some pauper in the street or if it's pre presented to him by his butler? It doesn't matter. His stomach cannot tolerate such food. And therefore, Eretz Yisrael is the same. It simply cannot tolerate this kind, kind of behavior. Anybody who engages in this kind of behavior in Eretz Yisrael is going to be spit out. And therefore, we have to change our translation of the Pasuk. Does not mean the land will not spit you out. It will spit you out if you deserve it. It means meaning don't do these kinds of sins so that the land will not spit you out. Another, uh, another approach is, is mentioned by some of the other Mephoshim, and I don't remember at the moment who says this, one of the lesser known super commentaries. But some say that one might have interpreted this, this Pasuk as follows. The Goyim who did all these Averas in Eretz Israel before we got there, HaKadosh Baruch was going to vomit them out of Eretz Israel. The land will vomit them out. However, you, Klal Yisrael, don't think that that's the worst that's going to happen to you. No, no, no. The land will not spit you out when you defile it. Meaning it won't only just spit you out, but there's something worse. Because what's going to happen is, it says a Pasuk or two later, what, me? It says a Pasuk or two later, says, one Pasuk later, whoever will do like these abominations, any of these abominations, those who do so will be they will be subject to the punishment of chorus. Their lives will be shortened, their souls will be cut off. So some the Farshim say, we might have interpreted this Pasuk to mean that the land will not merely spit you out, but also you're going to be high of course. How is Rashi answering that question then? I mean, if that's what we would have thought, meaning, no, you would have thought that the Pasuk means the land will not spit you out because that's too easy of a punishment for you. You're going to get chorus. You're going to get something worse. Rashi comes along and tells us with his marshal that the land will spit you out. In addition to getting cross, you're going to get two punishments because the land has to spit you out because that's the nature of the land. Just like the prince cannot tolerate disgusting food no matter where it comes from, no matter who gives it to him. So too, Eretz Yisrael cannot tolerate these kinds of sins. So the reason why Rashi is, is getting into a discussion here of the mechanics of how it is and why it is that Eretz Israel vomits out those who misbehave in it is not because he uh, wants to explain the words, wants to explain the words, it's not because he had some problem about, about uh, understanding the word lahaki. The word appeared before and he didn't say anything about it. So it must be he assumed that we, uh, we'd understand that word. And it's not because he wants to explain why and how a Kodesh Baruch Hu does this? Because that's not his derech to explain why and how a Kodesh Baruch Hu does things. The reason why Rashi gets involved in this discussion is because he had a question about 
the Pshuta Shal Mikra here, he, he saw that if you read this Pasuk very literally, you could come to certain conclusions which are incorrect. You could either conclude that Klai Yisrael, no matter how bad they will misbehave in Eretz Yisrael, will never be expelled, which is a mistake. Or you could conclude that, that the land will not spit us out, but rather we'll get some worse punishment. And Rashi clarifies with his marshal that no, we will be vomited out of Eretz Yisrael if we misbehave. How does Rashi know that his explanation is correct? Well, first of all, he found it in the Midrash, but I think there's a proof in the Torah itself. Because if we go to Parshish Kedoshim, Parshish Kedoshim, the last part of Parshish Kedoshim, is a sister to this last part of Parshish Achremites that we're discussing. In Parshish Achremites, the Torah tells us, don't have relations with this woman, this woman, this woman, this woman. Don't do these Averas. In the Parshish Kedoshim, it tells us the punishments. So if you do this one, you get chorus. If you do this one, you're based in, and so on. So it's a sister Parsha. And just like here, the Torah at the end kind of summarizes with a general warning that you shouldn't do any of those things. So in Parsha's Kedoshim also, the Torah summarizes, and it says the following. You will keep all of my decrees. Yes, call Mishpatai and all of my laws. It's actually an exact copy of what we had in Pasikhov in Parsha Zachremais. Vasi Sem Oisam, and you will do them. Below Saki Eschem Ha'oretz, Asherani Mevi Eschem Shama, Lashevis Bar. And the land that I am bringing you there to win it to, uh, to dwell there, it will, below Saki Eschem, it will not vomit you out. Now here it's saying, you must keep all the laws and all of the regulations and all of the decrees and the land will not spit you out. Here I think it's more clearly stated that if you keep the laws, the land won't spit you out. But we can very clearly infer that if you don't keep the laws, if you, if you transgress all of these sins, the land will spit you out. I think it's more, I think it's clearer and more explicit in Parsha's Kedoshim that if you don't behave, the land will spit you out. Whereas in Parsha's Achremais, as we discussed before, one could have misinterpreted this Pasuk Chavches. Okay. If we take a look at Ramban here in Parsha's Achremais, I think we can see that he apparently disagrees with our general principle that uh, we have learned from, from Rabbi Herzog. Whereas Rashi on Pasuk of uh, Hay, where it first says, Rashi does not offer a comment because as we said, it's not his derech to comment on why a Kodesh Baruch Hu does things and how a Kodesh Baruch Hu does things. Ranban, right away on Pasuk of Hay, he really begins his comment all the way on Pasuk of Dalit. Ramban goes into a long explanation of why this is. Why is it that if we misbehave in certain ways in Eretz Israel, it's simply an automatic, we're going to be dismissed. We're going to be kicked out. And the same would apply to any nation that happens to be living there. It's simply in the nature of the land. We'll take a look at the Ramban's explanation in a moment, but just the fact that the Ramban begins his discussion of this point on Pasuk 
Chavhei, I think shows, sounds like, that the Ramban does not go like Rashi. The Ramban does explain why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things, because he feels that is part of Shuta Shomikra, or that is within the purview of his commentary, that he wants to explain why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things. It's certainly a good topic to, to try to understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things. Nobody is going to say it's not a good topic for discussion. And certainly, I think the Ramban, uh, well, not certainly, but I, I tend to think that the Ramban holds that it is appropriate in his commentary to discuss why certain people did certain things. Certainly, when we're talking about great people from whom we are supposed to learn, we're supposed to emulate. So it would certainly be appropriate to talk about why they did X, Y, and Z when it is written in the Torah. Let's take a look a little bit at the Ramban. The Ramban here, uh, he wants to understand why it is that the land will spit out those people who commit arias, who commit adultery and incest, who commit these kinds of sins. He says, Arias are what is called is an obligation of one's body. They do not depend on the land. The Arias are forbidden no matter where you live. If you live on the North Pole, you're also not allowed to commit these, those sins. Uh, we can understand if you don't do the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that, de that depend in Eretz Israel, we can understand why the punishment might be that you'll be thrown out of the land. But why is it that if you don't do the mitzvah of Arias, transgress the prohibitions of Arias, why is it that you are spit out, vomited out of the land? So he says, Aval Said Hadavar, the Kosov Shomar. The secret of the matter is in a is in the following Pasik. This Pasik is in, in uh, Parshas Hazinu. Banchil El Yoin Goyim. When the El Yoin, when the one on high, when Hashem gave inheritance to the various nations. When he separated the various people and put them into various nations and put each nation into a different land. When he established the borders of the nations. So, etc. In other words, there was a certain time in the very ancient history where Kodesh Baruch divided people into different nations and each nation was given a land where they could live. That's what Kodesh Baruch did. He, however, his people, meaning Am Yisrael, they are the they are the special portion of Hashem. And the Ramban explains that when Hashem created everything, he was Nasan al Kol Amba Amba Artsaisum the Goyehim, Koychav Umazel Yidua. Kodesh Baruch who placed above each nation and each land a certain star and a certain constellation, meaning each nation is, so to speak, ruled and controlled and influenced by certain celestial beings, which are carrying out the will of a Kodesh world. But their sustenance is channeled through certain stars, certain constellations, certain, certain heavenly and ethereal Types of beings. However, 
however the Ramban says, of course, we're summarizing quite a bit here. However, the Ramban says, Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, which he calls the Emsaus Hayish of the middle of civilization. That's something to think about a different time. Hashem. That is the special inheritance of Hashem himself. It is special, specially assigned to his name. He did not place over Eretz Yisrael any any kind of leader, any kind of celestial body that can influence it. When he gave it as an inheritance to his special people, who are the children of those who loved him, meaning Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Eretz Yisrael to Am Yisrael, he did not place over us some celestial, ethereal being to influence us and to be the channel through which we would receive our influence and our our shefa, our bounty from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but rather HaKadosh Baruch Hu oversees Eretz Yisrael personally. Of course, we don't, can't really grasp these concepts, but we can say the words and get some idea. And therefore, Ramban explains that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu separated us from all the nations and he placed over them Sorek and Elohim Acher, he placed over them princes, and, and not human princes, but celestial, ethereal types of beings that could provide for them through the, of course, through the offices, through the auspices of a Kodesh Baruch but still, he put over each nation certain celestial beings which provide for them. But the Situ Lano, the Sitai Lano Ha'aretz, but when he gave us the land of Eretz Yisrael, he gave it to us in such a way that he remains for us the Elohim. He remains our one sole source. And we will be uniquely dedicated to his name. This land, which is the inheritance of the great, uh, the great Hashem, Taki it will naturally spit out anyone who defiles it. It will not suffer, it will not bear those who serve idolatry and those who are those who, uh, those who uh, transgress the, the, the sins of Arias. So Rabban is saying, more or less, uh, to the best of my ability to, to explain it at least a little bit, that Eretz Yisrael is ruled over directly by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why there, are, there is a special nature to Eretz Yisrael, that if you don't behave, out you go. Very interesting and important thought. And we also see that Ranban did not hesitate. As soon as the Torah said, but that Hashem is going to do something, Ramban felt that it's his responsibility to explain why and how. Unlike Rashi, who did not feel it was his, his, um, his responsibility to explain why and how, he only did so when he started to have a problem with the later Pasuk. The Ramban admits that this is a very deep 
thought. He calls it Said Hadava. This is the secret of the matter. Uh, perhaps a somewhat more approachable look at this topic is given by Rav Hirsch, the friend of the Bracha. And I'll try to summarize a little bit what Rav Hirsch here says. First of all, Rav Hirsch establishes a principle which is found in, in the words of many other commentaries that human behavior has an effect on the land where they dwell and it has an effect on the earth in general. And the word Adama, the word for ground, for the land, for the earth, in Lashon Kaidish, of course, is Adama. What is the origin of the word Adama, says Rav Hirsch? It is like the word Adam, human, because Adama is the place for Adam. Adama is the place that a Baruch who assigned to the human race, where here we should develop and we should serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and we should uh, establish societies that are that are just and, and reasonably fair. And, and, and this is where we should uh, fulfill our purpose on the Adama. Adama is the place for Adam. Therefore, because this is so, we find a very close relationship between Adam and his actions, our actions, and the Adama and the earth, the land. We find, for example, in Parshas Bracious, certainly the way Rashi explains it, that until Adam Harishon appeared, until he was created, it did not rain at all. Rashi says because there was no one to pray for the rain. But even if we don't follow that explanation, but we see a fact, it did not rain until there was an Adam. Because why should it rain? Why should the Adama really have that ability to be sustained and to grow if the whole purpose of the Adama is for Adam and there was no Adam yet. So the rain waited till Adam Arishan came along. We also find that when Adam Arishan sinned together with Chava, so what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu tell him? Arura ha'adama ba'avurecha. The land, the earth is cursed before, because of you. Whereas before in Ganadin, the land brought forth all by itself, beautiful fruits, everything that you could possibly want. Now, now it's going to be very difficult. Now the land is going to bring forth wheat and barley. You have to cut it and you have to pound it and grind it and sift it. And it's a long process until you get a nice loaf of bread. And we find, on a positive note, we find a very well-known Pusik in Tehillim. Yismichu HaShamayim when things are going good, when things are right, when humanity behaves and achieves its, its goals as it should. So what does the Pesach say? Yismechu HaShamayim, the heavens will rejoice, Basagel Ba'aretz, and the land will rejoice. Yalois Sadai, the fields will rejoice. In other words, when we behave properly, the land will be happy also. Now, all of this is true no matter where you live. It's true in Poland and it's true on the North Pole and it's true in Africa, anywhere. That the land is affected by the actions of human beings and uh, because the land is, was, was created for human beings. 
But Natarish explains this is especially strong and especially direct in the land of Israel. Because, and I, I'm, I'm translating freely here, but because, translating from the Hebrew, uh, translating from the German, I can't help you, except for a few words here and there. But I, I find myself that it's easier for me to read Rav Hirsch in the Hebrew translation. So I'm translating from the Hebrew. It says, the earth was intended to be the instruments, the instrument for the moral rebirth of humanity, not, not the earth. Yisrael, Am Yisrael, living in Eretz Yisrael, was intended to be the instrument for the moral rebirth of humanity and the development of nations. For the Shvaruch who shows us, Klai Yisrael, to rectify all of the sins that came before us, the sins of Adam Arishan and the sins of Noach and the generations that, that, that not Noach himself, but the sins of the generations before Noach and the generations after Noach, we are to be the final hope that humanity can reach its potential. And we are expected to do that. The place that we were given to do that is Eretz Yisrael. Therefore, says Rav Hirsch, again in free translation, if the society that lives in this land contradicts the goals of its existence, then the land loses its reason for existence because the energies and capabilities of the land of Hashem are intended to provide for the nation of Hashem that dwells in it. If those energies are misused, they will be expelled from the land. We were given Eretz Yisrael in order to accomplish certain goals, certain very lofty goals. If we don't use Eretz Yisrael properly, then there's no reason why we should be in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is not our homeland in the same way that Poland is the homeland of the Polish people. That's just where they live. I mean, they also have a certain goal, but it is nowhere near as lofty as ours. We really have a very lofty, the most lofty goal of all of humanity. Our goal is to, is to bring humanity to a level of perfection and to bring the Ge'ula Shlema from Herevi Amenu. And the place that we were given in which to do that is Eretz Yisrael. If we misuse it, as for Sholem, we lose it.